Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it's both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you a specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. And so this is the final uh, vlog, if, if you will, of 2022, uh, the final transmission, so to speak, uh, of this year, obviously, right? Um, I'll pick back up in 2023. But looking back on it, um, you know, this has been quite a year. It's, uh, in many ways, it's been one of my best years, and in many ways, it's been one of my hardest years. Um, you know, and and what's even kind of more difficult was is, is the idea that, you know, during the holidays, you know, the idea that we can slow down, that we can reflect upon and stuff like that um, is something that excites me, right? And this year in particular, that hasn't been happening, right? Um, it seems the, uh, the industry of, of capital continues to beat on, so to speak. And, um, you know, in a, in a strange way, and, and I know I'm not the only one to have felt this, you know, a lot of people have been literally just kind of working right up until the holiday, then the holiday, and then, you know, now we're sort of back in the midst of of it, you know, which in many ways is tragic, right? It's, it's quite unfortunate. Um, in a way, it almost feels like, you know, all these people um, made New Year's resolutions at the start of 2022 and then are realizing that, oh, wow, I didn't do any of it. So now, like, hey, I need to do this and blah, blah, and, um, you know, now all of a sudden it's your job to uh, to get it done, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, yeah, that, that saddens me. And, you know, when, when I kind of think about it, yeah, I can... I can bring you down sort of thing and um there's definitely been tough times in that way because you know I would like to honor all the all the tough moments I mean you know financially you know it has been a hard year for me and a lot of other people like you know the, the money that was there is now thanks to inflation I use that word ironically is uh, is lessened you know um things of that nature and um and to many in part, you know, the idea of like, oh, well, just you got to manage your money better type of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm very blessed and I'll talk about that in, in a moment. But, you know, sometimes like for people who, who are really struggling, it's like, how do you manage money that you don't like that's literally just going out the door for groceries, gas and um, just living, right? Expen like that's why in L.A. in particular... There's such a big homeless problem is because just the cost of rent is astronomical, right? You know, according to financial experts, like you should be spending 30% of your budget on housing. M most people that I know are spending 50%, if not more. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there. And, um, you know, um, as in part a storyteller that tries to observe the world and reflect that in my art, you know, you take on that empathy of the world and, and it pains you, right? And yet, 
in an odd way, I can look at that and be grateful because, you know, whether it's Ukraine, Iran, um, abortion rights and so forth, I look at that and I'm like, at least, yeah, I am better off, right? So I can, you know, in comparing myself to those circumstances, um, I can be like, okay, well, there's plenty for me to be grateful for. Um, and in doing so, as hard of a path that it may be to walk at times, to utilize what I can, you know, for the greater good, right? And I've talked about this in, uh, in, in many episodes, actually, and it continues to be a theme of everything. It, you know, um, I think we look at heroism and enacting change towards the world as this grand act, when in reality, it's just everyday, simple, small things. Now, that's not sexy and inviting because, of course, we don't get the glory for it and, and the fame and the fortune, but that's not what true activism is really all about. And, you know, as far as a path forward, um, it's kind of like an end to complacency. As Gandhi says, you know, be the wish, be the change you wish to see in the world. Um, you know, it's funny. Whenever... I went to therapy, you know, and I used to worry that that doing so would, in essence, justify negative traits for me somehow. Like, uh, you know, that, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, take anything, um, it, it would just be like, oh, well, that's self-care, right? And I've, I've talked about it. You know, it's kind of now finally come to fruition where I've talked about the bastardization of self-care in many respects has become this idea of, you know, self-centeredness and so forth. But when, when you speak of true enlightenment and what the real work is, you won't do horrible negative things because when you reach that enlightenment um, it's love right it really is i mean it, it might sound cheesy and whatever and you might tune out and you know call this like spiritual wuha whatever but you know consciousness and and, and life and is is really love you know um we are born into this world so pure and we pick up so much that most of therapy is really just shedding that and getting back to our essence of who we used to be when we were born. And then, of course, the useful stuff that, you know, along the way, like language, keep. But the rest of it, the jealousy, the anger, the hate, and so forth, that's all BS. You know? If you're doing therapy that, you know, in a way, like, you feel that, that it is justifying within you, then you're doing the wrong form of therapy. And not that I've experienced, but I have wondered about it because, as I said, you know, my observations of just the self-help movement, um, both in terms of commercializing it and now it becoming like a multi-billion dollar industry and the amount of self-help books and, and in essence, you know, like you need this outside source. Like in many ways, I mean, listen, we all need the help to see and guide us um, 
but in a sense, we've also bastardized like that, that, that um, there's this incessant need for more and more and more and more and more and more. Um, when in reality, like the, you know, most, most of these things that I've observed, they're very universal and simplistic. And what it really comes down to is just doing the work, you know, like quite literally. But part of the bastardization is this idea of like, um, we'll teach you the shortcut, right? Here's the shortcut to enlightenment and so forth. Um, that doesn't exist, right? It's, it's no different than, than activism, where true activism is not about the fame or the glory, it's about the impact, however small. And, you know, heading into the new year, I, I do rejoice because of the good people that I continue to meet along the way, as hard as it is. And it can be very hard, you know. I don't know, you know, I, I, I joke with my friends all the time how we, like, as, as a society, globally, we could live in a utopia. You know, everyone could be fed, everyone could have fun, there could be no wars and things like that, and we could solve many, many problems. We could live in this utopia, and yet actively, every day, somehow, we choose not to. But as long as there are good people in the world, um, you know, things things will elevate, right? And it's a struggle. It's, it's you know, it seems like modern society, you know, the whole point of why I even got into the, the saying this was because, yeah, it, um, I think in many ways, just modern living tends to just beat us down. I know a lot of people who feel very isolated. Um, you know, as I said, finances are tougher and tougher. Many people have multiple jobs and are stressed and overworked and, you know, working right up until the holiday and then right after and so forth, sometimes even during the holiday. Um, and as I said, you know, and it's one of those things, uh, whether I look to Ukraine or Iran or other problems in the world, you know, it could be worse. And so I do feel lucky in that sense, but but it also doesn't change the idea that that doesn't make it right here for us either. You know, that, that there's a better way through this. And that's been, in many ways, weighing down on me. Um, you know, I think about that a lot. Partly because, as I said, I, I am a storyteller and this is the stuff of life, you know, when you can get at the truth. Um, that's what makes your work resonate. And that's why, you know, in many ways, as artists, we create stuff to process things. And then vice versa, people who see our art, it provides them, whether it be a roadmap or just the idea of that they're seen and so forth and that that's what creates the connection that's why we love art in whatever form it may be music poetry paintings 
statues perhaps, you know, ceramics, even good food, right? Movies, books, TV shows, all that stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, just kind of been thinking about that. One thing that I did want to read that I saw comes from, this was a post on Greenpeace. And then I randomly came upon it, and but it really resonated. And I thought it was worth sharing. Um, quote, bicycle is the slow death of the planet. A banker made the economists think this when they said, a cyclist is a disaster for the country's economy. They don't buy cars and they don't borrow money. They don't pay insurance policies. They don't buy fuel. They don't pay to have the car serviced and no repairs needed. They don't use paid parking, don't cause any major accidents, no need for multi-lane highways. They are not getting obese. Healthy people are not necessary or useful to the economy. They are not buying the medicine. They don't go to the hospitals or doctors. They add nothing to the country's GDP, which stands for gross domestic product. On the contrary, each new McDonald's store creates at least 30 jobs. Actually, 10 cardiologists, 10 dentists, 10 dietitians and nutritionists, obviously as well as the people who work in the store itself. Choose wisely. A biker at McDonald's. It's something to think about. Emrex Cilia. And then P.S. Walking is even worse. Pedestrians don't even buy a bicycle. Um, and that resonated me, you know, um, when I talk about being the change you wish to see. You know, it's not like I can, for me, escape the, necess the necessity of, of, of a car here in L.A. But biking to the grocery store and, you know, places that I can, um, you know, has helped. It's both, you know, exercise is both for physical health, but for mental health. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd share that because, you know, it speaks to the idea that I've been talking about how society, you know, in a way, pushes us into a certain default thinking where we're not even really conscious of, we're just doing it and becoming this autonomous entity uh, moving about in life, you know. And I know perhaps this isn't as about art as it is just kind of philosophizing. Um, but that's why I call myself the 360 creative coach because I don't, you know, without the deep meaningful stuff, I don't think you get to meaningful art that lasts. Um, and part of my vlogs is the idea of working through some of this, you know, and, and, and seeing what sticks, what doesn't, you know, and getting that feedback a little bit through the comments and so forth. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to A Bit of Optimism. There's a podcast by Simon Sinek, and he had Brene Brown and Adam Grant, two great uh, thinkers. And they were talking about where do ideas come from? And they had, like, a very engaging, long conversation, so much so that they split the podcast up in two parts. Well... You know, one of the things that they were saying is creative people have mastered sucking on the first try, but then relenting and continuing to 
perfect it over time. In fact, Brene Brown has this idea of presenting the shit draft with pride. Um, now, you know, but she also made a distinction. Like, it can't just be, like, nothing, right? It has to, you have to, the difference for her when you present a shit draft is you have to be excited about it. And there has to be opportunity for growth where the people that you share it with can poke holes at it and improve upon the idea um, and and then, you know, through that collaboration, the idea takes shape and becomes so indiscernible of whose idea is what because it's all blended together. And that's why I realize I love filmmaking because it is that. You know, when I look at a Bogota trip, um, there are plenty of times where I get the credit for it, um, even from my own people. And I'm like, guys, we, and, and you know, part of it, might seem like this thing uh, that, I don't know, might be a little bit disingenuous, but like, no, we did it. And, but I, I truly do mean it. And I hope they realize it in that sense because, you know, what each of the actors brought to the characters. And, and, and I mean, without them, they, literally, there would be no life within the film, right? There'd be no one to play those parts. And then, of course, the people behind the scenes, you know, um, you know, the, the how it looks visually in terms of its color and um, both also the framing and just the logistics that help make it happen and how it sounds and so forth, right? Like all that stuff works in tandem and um, it was in service of a, of a greater idea. And it all started with, the, you know, where I do give myself credit for is I was okay with just going for it and, and failing if, if, if I... It, if I had to, but, you know, I wrote the first draft and it sucked. And then I kept perfecting it and revising it, but, it, <coughs> excuse me, but I, I brought forth one that I was, you know, <laughs> very proud of. And, and kind of similarly now, I'm writing an outline for my new project. And, and I was so excited to share that, the outline that I'd created, it was like 14 pages um, to the team. And we had like a two hour session of really poking holes at it. And, you know, I always knew that was gonna be part of the process, but, um, you know, in some sense, it, it it never feels great to like, be like, oh, this thing, this thing you were so excited for, um, wow, you know, th there's a lot of work left to be done. But but in hindsight, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful act. And, you know, now I'm, I'm almost finished with it and gonna bring it back to the team. And, you know, hopefully they see the improvements. I know they will. Um, and I'm excited about it, and I think they'll be excited as well about all, all those things. And yet we'll continue to poke holes at it and be like, okay, what can be improved, you know? And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's what you want. Um, but, but it comes from that cultivation um, of friendships and, and, and just people around you. And that's why I'm harping on the first aspect that I talked about, you know, that seemingly is just about life and blah, 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 because it's really about recognizing the good parts of your life. You know, um, I think we give a lot of weight to the negative and, um, you know, myself, yeah, it's, it's tough right now. I wish I had the downtime to process certain things. Um, you know, in particular, one thing that I didn't talk about was, um, you know, I said goodbye to another pet of mine. Um, you know, I had Sparky and Chloe. And Sparky in 2020, 
in December I had to say goodbye to. Now, cut to two years later, you know, um, I did the best I could with Chloe and just, you know, was meant to be. Now, that could be upsetting in many ways, but I also know um, that it was a miracle for her to even get to this point. Because I remember last year, before I shot my second movie, you know, um, we were doing weekly acupunctures because she had, uh, you know, some stuff with her spine and, and, and nerves and things like that. And I was getting to a point, I was like, it, it was painful. And I was starting to accept of like, okay, this might just be her life. And I just got to give her out the highest quality of life under these conditions. And then as, as if nothing had happened, she was back to her normal self, running around happy as can be. And uh, that went on for over a year and a half, almost. You know, but the bell tolls for us all, you know. And it's always funny, you know, Steve Letter talks about, Steve Letter's a rabbi, he talks about, you know, those of us left on this earth, we're the ones grieving, you know, the, the person or whoever that has passed, you know. They're in a more beautiful place, you know. Or if you don't believe in that kind of stuff, then then their life is over and that's it. Like, they, the, the pain is gone. But, you know, still, and overall, you know, I, when, when it happened, I had a, I, I took the day and really processed it. Um, and then that was kind of it, you know, overall. Because why would I, you know, she was someone who always enjoyed life. And I'd like to believe, you know, that, uh, that her and Sparky are reunited. They were the best of friends and they're playing and so forth. And so why, why would I be upset about that and the, the pain that she felt in this earth? You know, she no longer carries that burden. You know, and the memories I have, you know. I will keep them and cherish them. But uh, as they say, all love stories end in tragedy. You know, at some point, whether it's breakup, um, someone moves on, someone passes away in this case, right? That's just the fact of life. And as Byron Katie says, those who argue against reality suffer. Um, and, you know, I bring that up because, you know, it'd just be nice to kind of, I don't know, think back on the memories. Like, so, you know, as artists, we just need downtime. And as people in general, right, we just need some downtime. Otherwise, we get burnt out. And, um, you know, luckily I'm not burnt out. But, um, you know, in the words of uh, the Merovingian from, from The Matrix Reloaded, you know, I have survived your predecessors, predecessors and I will survive you. So... As difficult time, you know, like as much as there is for me to have to do in these moments, I know what I'm capable of and, you know, um, the only path is through and then, you know, kind of reconfiguring after that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't make me sad that, you know, that this is sort of my state of the world and the state of the world for a lot of people. Um, that's why, you know, we have to be reminded of 
what we're fighting for, the greater good, right? Um, one of the aspects that Brene Brown, Adam Grant, and Simon Sinek were talking about on the um, A Bit of Optimism podcast was this idea that great leaders are really just actually great followers. First of all, every leader, if you know, they need followers um, for them, but the leaders really see themselves as followers of something much bigger than themselves. And, you know, for me, call it art, call it trying to help humanity, call it, you know, trying to leave the earth a, a better place than I found it, whatever you want, you know, all this ties into it, you know, trying to make someone's day brighter in whatever ways that I can. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm following. That's what I'm pursuing. And that's what makes it okay. You know? And that's what allows me to see the magic of the, of the moments, you know, even in the dark times. You know, something interesting, kind of switching gears a little bit, um, the World Cup final, whether you watched or not, is irrelevant um, because I'll kind of explain it was one of the best games of my life and for many, many people. And even people that had never seen a soccer game, they tuned into it and were enthralled, right? But part of that magic was it happened in the moment, right? Sports, you can't really DVR. You can't really just watch the highlights because watching the highlights of that doesn't show the true magic. The magic of that final was that for 70 minutes, 70 plus minutes, almost 80 minutes, France looked like garbage. And they were down 2-0, and it looked like it was written in stone, Argentina, we're going to win, done and dusted, see you later. And then something happens, right? And Mbappe gets one goal. You're like, oh, okay, a consolation goal, you know. We've seen this from Argentina where, like, they've let their foot off the gas pedal. They have to have learned their lesson. They're going to, like, whatever they got to do, they'll squeeze it out for, you know, the last one. They won't, they won't suffer another goal. And what happens? Within two minutes, Mbappe scores another goal. It's tied 2-2. Two to two. It goes into overtime. Messi scores. It's now 3-2 to two with just a few minutes left. And that's going to be it. Except it's not, because then Mbappe scores another one. And then you could have France score a fourth goal to almost win it, except for the goalie gets this incredible, incredible save. Boom, the, goal, the, the ball goes the complete opposite way, just like that. And Argentina almost scores on France, and they almost win. And, you know, neither team takes it in overtime, so they go into penalty kicks where, tragically, France ends up losing in that sense but you know just the back and forth of it all you know I, I was texting with friends and you know who both watch soccer and people who don't it was like we were all seemingly on life support of just watching this thing because of how thrilling it was but the magic was that as I said that cumulative 70 minutes of nothing was happening and then all of a sudden that spark and it went because without that 80 ish minutes it's not as meaningful Right? I mean, it could have been, but, but, but that was the magic. You were just, you thought it was over until it wasn't. You know, that's what made, you know, if, if you're really familiar with soccer, 
um, the Champions League run of Real Madrid this past season, they looked like they were always on the brink of being out. Against Paris Saint-Germain, with 15 minutes, within a 15-minute span, they got three goals, knocked out PSG, on to the next. Okay, well, who's next? Chelsea. Okay, they did good in the first game against Chelsea. Then um, at their home, they were really getting rattled. But then they turned it on. Boom, eliminated Chelsea. See you later. Okay, semifinals, the big test. Man City, right? The projected winner for many, many seasons always, but especially this season. Like This was going to be their year. Uh, the first game, first game is very cagey, but um, Man City comes out on top. Then in this, you know, the next game, they're at Madrid. Uh, Man City scores. They're up by two goals. Okay, literally in the 90th minute, it was like 99% chance of winning for Man City and 1% chance for Real Madrid. Rodrigo gets a goal. Rodrigo from Real Madrid. Okay. Again, just like with Mbappe, you're thinking a consolation goal, right? For Real Madrid and with Mbappe for France. And within like pretty much, I I forget, maybe two minutes or whatever, definitely a quick amount of time, Rodrigo scores another one, ties it up, sends it to overtime. Real Madrid wins against Man City in overtime. Wow. Okay. Historic run. Now they're in the final and they beat Liverpool 1-0 with basically one shot on target. So the one shot they have... It goes in the back of the net. Meanwhile, Liverpool was like shooting every minute onto the uh, their Real Madrid goal. Just couldn't get anything past them, right? And it's magical. And the lesson that I'm trying to extract from, from this is the idea that be open to it, right? Whatever your soccer is, whatever your passions in life, you know, your art, your, your form of art and stuff like that, like, there's beauty all around you in spite of the darkness. You know, us being miserable helps no one. It doesn't help your friends. It doesn't help the people in Ukraine, Iran, or whatever. Um, we have to persevere. You know, we can be empathetic, of course, of course. But the idea that you too must suffer, that doesn't benefit them. So, I guess that's my message. That's why I I always choose to, no matter what, find the light, you know? And uh, I hope you do too. You know? In my own meandering way, I hope that this has sparked something within you. Because I know it's hard out there. It is. Especially for, for everybody. I was just going to say, especially for artists, but for everybody. You know? And we should recognize that in ourselves and in all of us. And just have a little bit of grace and humility as we move through this world. And that's what I'd like for 2023. And I hope that resonates with you. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. I hope to see you next time.